Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Crossroads and our Palm Sunday service. It's great to see everybody out there this morning. If you're joining us virtually, welcome that way as well. Join me in prayer, please. Oh, Father, thank you uh, just so much for this opportunity that we're going to have today, Lord, to uh, uh, go through the Palm Sunday message. We know that uh, your hand is on Nick as he delivers it, Lord, but just the grand entrance that, uh, that Jesus made, Lord. So just thank you so much for that. Um, also, as we approach Easter, Lord, that our minds and, and hearts will be open just to uh, just sit back and, and just recognize and, and remember and, and learn about, Lord, the, uh, just the great gift that that was through all of the suffering uh, that your son Jesus went through for us, Lord. So we just thank you for that. Um, it's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. All right, so to get us started, we've got a video. That's my king. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him, but yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle 
Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Hi. How's everybody doing? Good. Most of you know I'm Nick, and, uh, and that's my kink. And I, I know for, for many of you, it, that's a, that is a hard claim, a hard statement to, to make, to, to ring with, or to, to resonate with, to understand, and, and to share. And don't worry, you're not alone. There are many who, the video, it was fun, it was neat, but there's not that. That's my king. Today is the day we celebrate when Jesus came into Jerusalem as a king. Um, everybody was pumped. Not everybody. There were millions of people in Jerusalem. There was a small crowd, by, by uh, comparison, that was pumped. Here, here comes Jesus. They were taking off their jackets, throwing them down on the ground, screaming, King, save us, our Savior. They were excited. You know, they, they saw him as king, and they had expectations for a king. And, um, and Jesus, he, he did come to conquer and to accomplish stuff, but he didn't come to do exactly what they had envisioned for him at that moment. You know, in fact, he ended up doing much, much, much more. He, he certainly got their attention. Um, and that's what we're here to celebrate today. Because they expected something, and their king was here. He showed up. But not to do what they thought. He showed up to be crucified. Literally crucified. You know, it's turned into a slang a lot. People will say, well, if I do that, they're going to crucify me. Meaning they're going to like point holes in their argument and just show them how ridiculous they are. Um, okay, but what Jesus came to do was to be whipped to the point where his, his flesh, I know this is going to get a little gross maybe, um, but I've got four kids, gross means nothing. Um, his flesh was hanging off, of it was just hanging. You could see bone. They, 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 to just, just for extra, they took a crown of thorns and, and dug it into his head. These are really big, hard thorns. Um, and because and that wasn't enough, they, they literally nailed him to a cross, to a piece of wood, and let him hang by those nail holes. Just real brief on some of the physiology, that's uh, not quite the right word, but of the crucifixion. You're hanging by the holes in your hands, the holes in your feet. You've been beat, bruised. You're hanging like this. You can't breathe. So if you want to take another breath, you transfer the weight from the holes in your hands to the holes in your feet, take a breath, and go back to hanging. The king showed up to do that. No wonder we have a hard time understanding king in some cases, and in many cases. Because he did come, like I said, to accomplish and to do some things. And he accomplished much, much more than what he came for, than what people thought he came for. And those people that, that first saw him, they were so excited. Finally, a king. Well, not everybody was that pumped. Some people, a few days later, were going to be screaming, crucify him. It's a choice we, we get to make as, as we dive in. And this is going to be really quite something. All these people knew who Jesus was. They had seen him heal people. They had seen him um, bring a guy back to life. They had seen all these amazing things he had done. 
but they, here we see him coming in as king, and, and we choose. So they were right to call him a king, but they were a little confused about what the king was there to do on this visit. He was there to take care of business and to accomplish some stuff. He was there to accomplish something way bigger than we could have ever imagined. He was there to, to, to destroy the hurdle between us and God. He was there to make peace between us and God. Our focus today, our purpose, is, is Jesus came. He's here. He showed up. We're going to talk about why he came and what he accomplished. And we're going to build all of this off of this verse here in, in Romans chapter 5, where it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Some of you are thinking, because I, I, uh, I got the same brain, is what's the big deal? I'm, I'm not at war with God. I don't, I'm not necessarily not at peace with God. What's the problem? And the definition of sin is, is missing the mark, is, is, is being different than something. Being different than what? Being different from God. Now, I, I like science and physics and all that nerdy stuff. And so there's this really cool thing. Does anybody know what happens if you take boiling hot water and you go outside, if it's sub-zero, let's say it's, I don't know, let's say it's uh, zero degree, let's say it's 20 degrees Fahrenheit outside, and you throw the, the cup of boiling, almost boiling water up into the air, who knows what happens? It, well, close. It, it freezes, and often it vaporizes. It just vaporizes. Because I, I won't go into the physics, but if you throw a cup of water close, that's close to boiling up into the air, it will turn into a vapor cloud almost instantly. What happens is the water can't exist in that state once it's thrown up into the atmosphere. It can't run from the atmosphere. The atmosphere is huge. It can't change the atmosphere. But once it gets up there, it just vaporizes into a cloud because its state is different than the atmosphere, which is really quite neat. This is, this is the description of God and sin, vaporized. If sin in the presence of God, it just cannot exist. That cup of water in the atmosphere cannot exist like that. That's a big deal. And Jesus came to make peace with that, to do something about that. And he did it while we were hostile to him, while we were different, while we were in a state that if we came into his presence, he would pulverize us. And, and he, I think we can learn a lot about God and who Jesus is by looking at this event 
why he came and how he did it. And, uh, and I hope you're as excited as I am to, to go through all of this stuff. <laughs> it's really not that much. So first we're going to look at his resolve and his heart as he's entering, as he's entering into Jerusalem to do this. First, his resolve. You know, he, he said before he's coming in, this is, they're all, they're, they haven't gone into Jerusalem yet, but he tells his disciples, hey guys, we're going. <laughs> he says, talking to the 12 disciples, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked, treated shamefully and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. So this was said before he went to Jerusalem, clearly aware of what was coming and what was going to happen. Did that change his resolve? Listen, we're going. We're coming. At our house, if I may skip over to a little story for a minute. Well, at our house now, if, if somebody screams mountaintop or mountain lion, watch out. That means something is flying through the air and usually coming at your head. Um, not proud that this has happened. Um, it started a long time ago when, uh, when I would do this to Kelsey. If I wanted to give her something, I would scream mountaintop and, and throw it at her just for fun. And, uh, and our kids have adopted that. So when we hear mountain lion, the events have been set. Emma changed it to mountain lion because she got it mixed up. And so it's really funny to hear a four-year-old scream mountain lion and know that there's a Lego coming at you. Um, but so if you hear those words, it's happening. It's coming. You know, Jesus knew what he was here for. He knew what was coming and he knew what he must do. If we hear mountain lion, we know we better look up, put our hands up, duck, do something. But he knew what was to come. He knew what was in front of him. And he chose to do it. He didn't say, it wasn't like he was running from it, was drug into Jerusalem. No, he walked into Jerusalem. Why? He was fine. He wasn't the cup of water that was going to vaporize. So hear his heart as he walks in there. This is, this is really just something special. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to cry. He began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Look at his heart. I don't see him mentioning anywhere in there, oh, because of you guys, I got to go do this and it's going to hurt and be painful. Oh, no, he, he, that's not his focus. That's not why he's crying. He's crying because we, because his people are going to go through more pain, more ugly. They're going to suffer because they didn't recognize, because they didn't understand. And, and he, he hated that for them. You know, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had an infant, but you do not like that you have to wake up in the middle of the night to take care of your infant. You're like, oh, why do you need this food? 
You know, it's, and it's all about us. But look at this. The king, creator of the universe, not about, he, look at him. He, he cares that we will be suffering. Look at that heart. That's a big deal. And, and it, it's, he, he's referring to a lot of the things that the people knew about that was written long before, hundreds of years before, by, by we'll talk about Isaiah, Daniel, I think just those two guys, the things they, and, and Zechariah, the things they wrote to tell of Jesus coming, to tell of, of what he will do on that coming, and then also the second coming. But we're focusing on this part of the story now, when Jesus would come. He gave him a heads up. Like, hey, he's going to come. He's not going to look like you think he's going to look like. And he might not do exactly what you think he's going to do. We'll go through these fairly briefly, but these are fun chapters to read if anybody wants to dive in. It doesn't spend a whole lot of time in the Old Testament. Um, it's really quite neat. But anyway, the first thing he tells him, kind of like how Jesus is going to come. Hey, he's going to come. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his parents, nothing to attract us to him. So just like a normal guy, if any, even less than that, like a root in dry ground. Remember, he was born in a manger next to a bunch of uh, horses and all the stuff that comes in and out of those, and, uh, or whatever was in the, was in the stable. But, and then he grew up just like a, a normal poor kid, really. But his actions and his love and the truth that he was there, the power of God spoke for itself through him. Which takes us to the next one, the things he would do with, with his actions and, and, the, and who he was. When he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind, unplug the ears of the deaf. Of the, deaf. the lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. When he comes, there will be miracles. There will be changes, drastic, dramatic changes, ugly Awful things will go away. Remind you again, right before he walked into Jerusalem, he had just brought a guy back to life in public eye. Like in front of people. It wasn't like one of the hidden kind of secret ones he did with some of the kids, but this was one where he brought Lazarus back to life in, in public view. And then they, he also told him when. Another thing they had was when Jesus was going to enter. Daniel was speaking, and God was speaking to Daniel, and he, wrote, and he wrote, from the time a command is given to rebuild Jerusalem, that's a, that's a date we have in, uh, where King Cyrus said, yeah, go do, go do this. This was 400-something B.C. Um, from the time the command is given to when the anointed one comes, so to when Jesus comes, and then that gives you, it's a funny way of saying a certain number of days, and then he will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. Like, more heads up, hey, this is coming. And then this cool little detail, this one's just for fun, I think, showing off maybe a little bit. Tell them how, what Jesus' entrance is going to be like. Palm Sunday, today he's riding in on like a, a tiny donkey, a little baby donkey, not even a big donkey. Uh, but they talk about this in, in Zechariah. He says, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout and triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, you're king. He's coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, a tiny donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. That's included. That, sorry, that is just, that's neat. And then here's the big one. How and why he would come and suffer and die. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried 
It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Those last two sentences. Jesus came and suffered for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sins. He was beaten so I could be whole. He was whipped so I could be healed. Now that's a king. That's one of the things that makes us kind of think a king, really? You know, a, a king, if a king wants to be king and rule, he doesn't always just give himself up to death because then he can no longer do anything. Then he's powerless now. He can't be king any longer. But that's not Jesus. He, he isn't powerless after death. We know what's coming next week. Maybe it'll be a surprise. I won't spoil it. But he's a real king. And he did this for us. And because he could, because he had to, there was no other way. And this visit, you know, it wasn't the end. It wasn't the end-all crushing visit. This was the intermediate preparation. Because when, when that water gets thrown up into the air, it's getting vaporized. When, when Jesus comes back and when all the uglies wiped out, if Jesus hadn't come on this day, I mean, not on this exact day, but on the day we're celebrating today and doing what he did, we would be pulverized, vaporized. I just think pulverized is more dramatic. Um, but because we wouldn't have that peace with God that Jesus made. We would be at war with God. No matter what we do, we try to make peace with God on our own by doing really good, great, cool things like being nice to people and giving away money or, or whatever we could think of the grandest, greatest thing that we did to maybe earn it. But he knew we would maybe be susceptible to this, so he kind of gave us a little heads up. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But Jesus will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It says, but God, I, look, I, I did all these big, awesome, great, amazing things in your name. What do you mean? Because we can't make the peace. You know, the, the work of God is to believe in him, who he sent. There were some guys who said to Jesus one day, they said, we want to do the work of God. Yeah, we, we're pretty all right. We want to do that work. And he says, the work of God is to believe in him, who he has sent. This visit, this visit by this king, was not for judgment. It was to save us. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through 
him. He, God sent him. He came on this day to Jerusalem for a purpose. You know, he, he did this for, for me. He did this for you. Not because he necessarily had to, but it, it is who he is. He loves us. He doesn't want us to be slaves. He's not going to force us. He loves us, and he makes it so that we can. You know, his kindness, his love for us is meant to change our minds, to make us want to follow him as a king. We hear king, we hear someone who, we think of that concept of king. We think of someone who forces us to do stuff, forces us to get into line, and that's not God. Some kings need people to be forced into line, to help do the king's will, but we're talking about a real, ultimate, powerful king. He doesn't need that. His kindness and his love, his mercy is meant to draw us to him and choose him because of his great and awesome love for us. Because this believing he is talking about here, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This believing that he is talking about is, is I think, misconstrued. How often will we hear, yeah, I believe in God, I'm all right. Or how often do we think that? You know, guilty. How often is it, well, I believe in God, I'm okay. And then, and then we get in James where he says, well, you believe in God? Well, good, so do the demons. The demons know God existed. They know Jesus, too. So good for you. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that's, that's, how, it, that's how it's written in James. And so this believing, I wanted to try to introduce the concept of the word they meant it, the, the word as it's meant here. Believing has an action that's attached to it. Okay, if I go out on the street and stand in the middle of the street because the ground is warmer and the black asphalt's warmer so it feels better on my feet, if I'm barefoot or something, and I see a bus coming. I don't know why I'm standing there doing it that way, but that's why I'm, what I'm doing. And I, so I'm standing in the middle of the road, and a bus is coming. And somebody says, hey, there's a bus coming at you. And I look, oh, yeah, I see that bus. That bus, yeah, that's going to come at you at me. It's going to hit me. If I don't get out of the way, that bus is going gonna, is gonna to squash me. But I don't get out of the way. Doesn't mean I didn't believe the bus wasn't going to hit me, but I, I didn't get out of the way. The belief they're talking about here would be a, Oh, you're right, that bus is going to get me. And so you step out of the way. There's, there's, a, there's a, a funny deal there. And of this belief is a belief that pulls us to obedience. A belief that will draw us to, to obedience in God. A belief of, wow, oh, all right, I'm following you. At the, at the cost of ourselves. Jesus wants to make it clear. He says, hey, if you... If you try to hang on to your life in your way, you're going to lose it. But give up your way and follow me. This is the belief they're referring to. You will save it. Because God sent me so that you wouldn't die, but have eternal life. So belief to the point of obedience is, is what he's talking about there. And so it, so, so here, here we... Here we go where you say, okay, so, so help me believe. Show me so that I will believe. I want to believe. So let me ask you now, is seeing believing 
or if you believe, you will see. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly. So what do you look for? If, if, if we have a king before us, if we have a king who has come and done this, he should be noticed, right? I mean, even if, even if he's maybe not sitting on his final throne at this moment, we should be able to notice that there is a king. History certainly noticed a king. There are people dying just because they say they believe in God who certainly know there is a king. There are people here right now who live their lives very differently because they know there is a king. Because even before he is perhaps physically sitting before us on his final amazing, uh, majestic, I don't know what kind of word to use, awesome, his awesome throne, we should still see signs of him. And so what should we be looking for? And, and I, this, is, this is the part where, where it can almost sound like I'm telling you what to do. I'm not telling anybody what to do. So if you think I am, I'm sorry. It's just my nature. Uh, but, so what are you looking for? You know, do you think you've already found it? And, and perhaps you already have. I don't know. I don't know what you should be looking for exactly. I mean, of course there's miracles. Of course there's the spirit of God that is here and alive and active. And, and there is, is evidence, historical evidence, and then life experiences that, that we can't deny. These get our attention. But I, I do know that you should be looking for different. I, I see the world. I, I see what, what naturally comes out of us. Uh, and, and I see the nonsense that goes on, the hate, the, the selfishness, the, just the ugly. We should be looking for different. You know, Jesus said... Blessed are the humble and the peacemakers. He said, love your enemy. Value others as more important than yourselves. I mean, all the way down to the heart of the matter. Turn the other cheek. Forgive others. Turn the other cheek. This was, this was my favorite. Is he says, if, if your enemy or someone slaps you in the face, show them the other cheek. That's, that's big. Different. We should be looking different. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. A craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These things are, are, are what? I mean, they're, it's what we, those are most of our drivers if we look around today. There are a lot of our drivers in our lives today, too. I mean, nobody is, is innocent here. When we do this, we, we miss maybe perhaps what's actually there. We miss the view. I, I remember I used to take people skydiving for a living, which means I would strap them on my front. Well, I, I did a lot of different things, but one of the things I would do is I would strap someone on the front of me and, um, and leave the airplane. So, so I'd have the parachute, and they just got to do whatever they wanted. Um, it's called a tandem. Some of you maybe have done it. 
and uh, they literally did whatever they wanted. They did not listen to you ever. Um, just kidding. Some people did. But anyways, you could also get a video guy to go out with you. Okay? So you would, there would be another guy with his own parachute wearing this big camera on his head. Um, nowadays, they have really small cameras. We, we flew the 10-pound cameras on our heads, so you guys are sissies. Um, but I'm sorry, did I say that? Um, so this, the person, if they got the video, often they would be so focused on looking at the camera and looking cool and making sure that, that whatever came on footage, whatever video they got from it, they looked good in that video. They spent their whole time doing that, and they didn't listen, for one. They didn't enjoy, they didn't enjoy it. You would ask them questions about the free fall or the view, and they'd be like, oh, uh, I don't know. But that was consistently the case. The ones without the camera who weren't trying to look a certain way, who weren't focused on their, who weren't focused on, on themselves and what they were doing and, and how to make themselves look good, they, they, they saw so much more. They were able to see so much. We, we acknowledge that naturally our natural selves have so much stuff, so many hurdles built up between us and God that it puts us at war with God. I, I mentioned that really short list of things about blessed are the humble, blessed are the peacemakers, turn the other cheek. And a couple of y'all's hurdles popped up when I went through those probably. A couple of my hurdles popped up when we went through some of those. That's why Jesus died, to come and wipe those hurdles out. So we get to be obedient to him and, and start saying, no, put this, put this down, put this away. Because we will strive and strive and strive as we're trying to fill our cravings. Like it was talking about from that verse. Somebody asked the uh, Rockefeller guy, they said, how much money is enough to be happy? Does anybody know what he said? One dollar more than what you have. Yeah. Tell me that's not true. Some of you guys who went through school think, oh, when I get a job, I'm going to have all this money and I'll be happy. Or I'm going to save to this point, I'll be happy. Or I'm going to get this and then I'll be happy. Then I'm gonna, or I'm going to get a new car and then I'll be happy. Where does it stop? These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Look differently. And you know, better than looking participate in it. I, I think we've, we've opened this up pretty good. And, and once again, I, I'm, I'm not telling anyone what to do. These are just some cool ideas, fun things to think about. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. This is talking about experiencing it, remaining in fellowship with Christ. And notice, what did he call them there? And now, not, not subjects, not slaves, Children, see that difference there. Remain in fellowship with Christ. So talking to, to people who are believing, are following God, <laughs> and so that when he returns, you'll be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame because of what is he, he has done and your obedience, your submission to him. And this is how you would experience that. Because we, we opened it up earlier is it our works? If we prophesy, if we perform miracles, if we do all these great and amazing things, is it going to be like God's going to be like, wow, 
your list of accomplishments is huge. Come on in. You know, he could say, wow, that's a lot that you did there, but, um, but you, you're still covered in sin. That, that thing that, that I did for you, you, you haven't taken that. And so he, he tries to make that even more clear to us here. What's more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices to your obedience, or I'm sorry, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And that's because we aren't God. <laughs> we, the things we are capable of and, and able to do are great and awesome and numerous and neat. They really are fun, but they, they fall short. They can't do what our king came to do on this, on this day. So, it, you know, it certainly seems like his, his kingship is optional for now. You know, the, the water, it hasn't been thrown into the air yet. The boiling water hasn't been thrown in the air yet. We are in the middle of the story. The, the king came, did what he had to do on that visit. It was a big thing. And, and then he went on, still here, still doing what he's doing. He will come back. But for now, we have this option. Just like those two crowds did. One crowd was screaming, King, Savior, save us. We're so glad to see you here. Walk on my jacket so you don't get your feet dirty. And a few days later, the other crowd screaming, Crucify him. I bet you can guess which crowd was bigger. Which crowd is bigger today? You know, Crucify him. You can't say that about a king. They did. He allowed them. He let them. And he accomplished a big, great, huge thing that day to make peace between us and God. One more time. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He showed up because he had to, because it was who he was, because he loves us, because that plan had been set into motion from the beginning and the plan is still going. The story, we're in the middle of it. And the climax, the conclusion is coming. You, the cup of water is getting thrown in the air. You cannot run from the atmosphere. I cannot run from the atmosphere. Our king died so that we could be his children and he could be our father. Not, our, not his subjects, not his slaves. So we are in that story right now. That is really cool. Our king was 
did that for us. Man. Yeah. That's my king. Cool, cool, cool. Pray with me. Heavenly, awesome, perfect Father, King, Father of our lives, our days, our, our everything. Even if we do not acknowledge you, it doesn't change who you are. That's part of why you're so great and so merciful. Your patience and your love for us shines through all of our ugly, all of our nonsense. And, and we thank you today that you open our hearts, that you open our eyes, and you bring us to this place where we can know you, where we can walk with you, where we can obey you because we are powerless without you. You were so, so great and so awesome and so amazing. Thank you so much. Amen. Guys, thank you. And um, so good to see everyone. And if you're excited about Easter, there's one thing I was supposed to tell you about. They put it up here so I don't forget. Um, the Chosen. If you've been following The Chosen, the season premiere is on April 4th. I think that's Easter. Um, so, and so that's a, been a really cool, fun thing. So if you want to check that out, it's on YouTube. It's free. All that good stuff. Thanks again, guys.